for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 457 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for another great crowdfunding doubleheader. As this week I talk with Mike Barron from Florida Man and Nandor Schaefer from Seasons. Mike, of course, is well known for Nexus and his other great writings. And he's diving headlong into humor, into a subject I know a little bit about because I live in Florida. We talk about how the book came to be about what kinds of things we can enjoy in the series, as well as what's going on with Nexus, of course, a favorite of mine. Then everything wraps up with Nandor, who talks about Seasons, a very gripping and unique story that captured my attention right away. We discuss how his book came to be, as well as how he found his artist, Anthony, and how this series is going places no comic has gone before. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. Both of these creators have crowdfunding projects going on right now that are worthy of your support, so I hope that you'll back them as soon as you get done listening to this podcast. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. Hey man, y'all got beer still? You've seen the stories. Now, writer Mike Barron and artist Todd Mulrooney are bringing the quintessential Florida man, Gary Duba, to life. Gary's just a regular guy living in a trailer with his girlfriend, Crystal. But he's got dreams, big dreams. He just invented house suspenders that will secure any home to the ground in rough weather. And now he's going to show them off on Piranha Pool, the TV show where venture capitalists and entrepreneurs pony up if they like your pitch. But when his gal Crystal gains notoriety as an infamous amateur wrestler, she quickly advances to the pro circuit where her greatest challenge is an angry Australian grappler. Follow Gary and Crystal on their extraordinary journey from rags to riches, to rags, to riches, to rags, to riches, all while dealing with shady lawyers, toilet snakes, wild gators, cheating hearts, feral hogs, and problem shoppers. Back Florida Man today and reserve your very own copy of the Florida Man graphic novel. We're bringing back funny books, y'all. It's always a pleasure to speak with Mike Barron, one of the creators of one of my very favorite comics ever called Nexus. And he also does other great things. He's got a wonderful Kickstarter going on right now for a comic based on a novel called Florida Man. How you doing, Mike? Good, thanks. It's good to talk with you. Uh, I, I'm just – we were talking just before I started to record about the fact that uh, this was how first as a novel, you were saying. Yes, it's from uh, Wolfpack Publishing. It's on Amazon. There are two out now. The first is called Florida Man, and the second is called Hogzilla. <laughs> and you can guess what that that's about. It's like it's like Moby Dick. Okay. <laughs> See, I, Only I, it's I, a giant feral hog. <laughs> yes, I, I, as somebody who lives in Florida, uh, I can <laughs> I can verify some of this wonderful stuff. Uh, I was I was looking just before we started to talk about I, I went through some MiamiHerald.com news of the weird stuff, 
and there are people who do stuff about Florida, and they call it uh, only in Florida. So uh, let me read to you a couple of stories. I don't know if this gives you ideas for future stories or what, but this is the kind of thing that we go through in, in Florida here. This one says, woman calls 911 on alligator. It turns out to be a pool floaty. <laughs> then there's another one. This 660-pound alligator is having trouble moving his leg. UF vets are treating him. And my favorite one, though, is, is I screen my lungs out, says Florida woman who finds agitated python in her washing machine. That's my favorite. But there is another one I, I just have to mention. There's In Broward County, was it a bomb or breakfast? A bag at a door sets off a scare at the Broward Sheriff's Office. And Well, but one more I got to throw. This one I got to throw. A guy's kangaroo jumped around Fort Lauderdale streets. He now has to appear in court. Him or the kangaroo? Yeah, he had a kangaroo, and the kangaroo apparently got out and was running around Fort Lauderdale, and uh, who knows? So, uh, you know, Chris, I know that you don't live in Florida, but what was it about Florida Man and this whole thing that got you interested in the subject? Well, every time I went online, there was another Florida Man story. Uh, I mean, I could shoot a couple back at you. Drunken Florida Man crashes golf cart. Blames Trump. <laughs> Drunk Florida man drives lawnmower on highway. Florida man wearing only underwear steals mail, attacks homeowner. And the sad thing is, is that's nothing very unusual down here. That that's the funny part. Because you know well, we're, we're I have a theory that Florida is America's sock, <laughs> and and everything shakes down there. All the the uh, refuse and detritus, you know. See, the, the funny thing is, like, where I live, there are, and I always forget the name of the birds, but they're about as tall as we are. And they walk around, they, they resemble storks a little bit, and I don't can never remember the name of them. But they're walking around, and they're very slow, and they like to get out in the middle of the road. And, you know, if somebody's not paying attention, you know, bad things happen. But most of us pay attention, we'll, we'll stop and wait for these birds to finish their migration across the street. And so, you know, you, we often yell at people, what do you stop for? And then all of a sudden we look up there, oh, the birds, they're in the street. And We have the same problem, only they're Canadian geese. Oh, yeah. I remember when I was up, I lived up in Maryland, we'd had Canada geese all over the place. And they, they pooped everywhere, if I remember correctly. They, oh, yeah. Little green poops all over the place. Because yeah. they must be eating grass and stuff like that. So... Anyway, this, all this wonderful stuff is kind of the basis for Florida Man, which is, like I said, is on Kickstarter. And let me get caught up on a, a hilarious new graphic novel by Mike Barron and Todd Mulrooney. And uh, the good news is you have met your goal already, which is, uh, you know, a big whew, whenever people get their goal. But you actually set a somewhat uh, low goal. Do you want to talk about that? Why did you set the goal you did? Are you looking at Kickstarter or Indiegogo? Uh, Kickstarter. Oh, well, uh, because uh, uh, when you meet the goal quickly, the algorithms uh, kick in mm -hmm. and they move your project higher up the Kickstarter homepage. Ah. So we actually uh, started on Indiegogo, and we're doing a lot better on Indiegogo. And the Kickstarter is just for people who want the book alone without okay. the, the lunch pail and the towel. <laughs> lunch pail and the towel. 
Okay, that, then i got to ask you about that. Why a lunch pail and why a towel? I, I've got to know that. <laughs> well, the, the, the lunch pail is to pack your lunch when you go to the beach, and the towel is to sit on when you're at the beach. Okay. Have you seen the towel? I mean, if you're looking at that Indiegogo page, uh, let me shoot you the uh, I'm looking the address at, for that. I'm heading there right now. Let me get to uh, Florida, man, and we'll see how we do. i got to get into here. I was... Uh, it was the Kickstarter. Oh, there it is. Florida Man graphic novel. I see it right there. Uh, the hilarious tales of a larger-than-life figure from the magical land of Florida, USA. Yeah, and uh, the oh. video. Yeah. The video is is the greatest video ever done for a comic book Kickstarter. You can take a look at that when we get off. You gotta watch that video though. Because Chris, who put it together, mm-hmm. is a professional video guy. That's what he does for a living. Oh. See, I love the Florida man picture with the uh, uh, alligator and the girl on yep. the beach. I think that's kind of funny. That was very reminiscent. What, what's the name of that suntan lotion that, that does that? Copper tone. Copper tone. That's right. That's the thing. And I, I, that is a very fun picture. I think that's super cool. That's 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 the towel. <laughs> that's the towel. Okay. Yeah. Todd Mulrooney is the artist. Okay. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I, I got to read this. This is a wonderful thing. Uh, Gary Duba. Is it Duba? Duba. Duba's having a bad day. There's a snake in his toilet, a rabid raccoon in the yard, and this gal Crystal's in jail for getting naked at a waffle castle. I love that name. And licking the manager. Gary is just a southern redneck living in a trailer down by the swamp, but he's got dreams, big dreams. But it seems like every time he tries to get ahead... Fate deals him a low, bow, low blow, then one day he gets lucky. Along with his friend Floyd, Gary sets out to sell his prized Barry Bonds rookie card <laughs> to raise the 500 bucks needed for Crystal's bail. But like always, things find a way of getting out of hand. In fact, Duba's got a way of getting caught in all the wrong places. <laughs> you know, it, it's so... Florida. I, I'm just so sorry that it is. It's just, you know, <laughs> be proud. Yeah, I. It, it's it's hilarious because like, see, the thing that interests me a lot of the stuff about that because there is a a group of ducks or a, a race of ducks, I guess they call them, that called Muscovies, and they're not native to Florida, but they came over. Somebody brought them, and then of course they multiply like crazy. And what's happening is is that they're all over the place, and we happened to come across a bunch that were apparently abandoned by their mother, like little four of them. They were in this little cluster of feathers with four little heads sticking out. And we started to raise them, and we re- we kept wondering, should we put them back in the wild? But by the time we did that, they were used to us feeding them, so we couldn't do that anymore. Now we've had them for over five years. And I always I tell them because I sit and you know I I don't want to just shove food in their faces. I let them out in the morning and in the evening to, and then I, I give them food and stuff. And I sit and talk with one of them because we have ended up with three. One of them got killed by you talk about raccoons. One got killed by a raccoon, and so now we're left with three, and we have the wrong set of three. Normally they say you should have two females and a male. We have two males and a female, and the two males love nothing better than fighting. And let me tell you, it's nasty stuff. So uh, what I do is I let them out, and at nighttime, like just tonight, I was out there feeding them, and the uh, I, a raccoon cl- climbed under the fence to the patio where we keep them, and I said, hey, get out of here. And it looked at me like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> so it finally left, but uh, we actually throw food out to, keep, to feed them so that they don't 
go after our ducks That's anymore. That's very kind. It's, I understand it's, they make excellent pets. That, yes, they do. They're smart. That's the thing. I, you could do a whole duck thing in, in Florida as far as that goes because the ducks are pretty smart. I mean, my guys are they are pretty wise about some things. I, I, I'm always amazed. They do some crazy stuff too. You know, ducks, you don't know what gender they are until they tell you, basically. But uh, do, they, do they have a list of preferred pronouns? <laughs> I've never asked them that. But they are—they're so funny. I—they I, make me laugh so much of the time. I—the uh, the big one, the, the one that's by himself, is Goliath, and I feel for him because he's alone so much of the time. So I'll sit with him, and I'll actually—he's the one I talk with, and I always tell him, "You're—you're you're probably have outlived generations of your relatives because out in the wild they don't last so long." But anyway, I spend time with them because I, I like them so. I can relate to this whole story about Gary. Is, is Gary Duba, is he based on anybody, or is he a creation of your, your uh, imagination? Well, I think I, I kind of made him up out of the whole cloth. <laughs> uh, and, he, and, you know, you start writing, and if you're a good writer, your character gathers flesh and bones and thoughts of his own. And at one point, he turns around and starts telling you what he's going to do, and that's that's what happened. But I tried to incorporate the spirit of Florida Man, and, and of course, there's a number of adventures that he has that, that are straight out of the headlines that, that you read. You know, and there's a site devoted to this called FloridaMan.com, uh, where they gather all these stories together, and there are tens of thousands of them by now. <laughs> I, I'm just curious. Does he know that he's called Florida Man, or is that your? No, he, no. he doesn't know that. <laughs> No, that's just the name of the book. Yeah. Okay. That's I love Waffle Castle. By the way, that's funny. There's Waffle House and what's the castle? Uh, I can't remember the castle. White so, Castle. Yeah, White Castle. That's right. So this is a combination of both. I love that. Somebody got smart and and uh, put the two names together and made something to draw from both. I think that's funny. This is just wonderful, wonderful stuff. I, I there's if there's a picture on the Indiegogo that makes me smile. It's it says come down to Floyd's end of humanity sale. Yeah, that's Todd did that. That's another Todd Mulrooney illustration. <laughs> and he's got one foot on what's called moonshine sanitizer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's Floyd in the middle. That's Gary on the right. Oh, it is? Oh, I... Yeah, that's Gary with the suspenders. Okay. That's Crystal, Gary's girlfriend on the left. Okay. And uh, Todd highlighted Floyd in this, but okay. uh, but it's really Gary's story, and he's all over the book. Well, Gary's the one that's riding the crocodile. Or is that an alligator or a crocodile? Right. He's a crocodile. It's an alligator. It's an alligator. Okay, yeah, I, I, I get him mixed up. I can never remember. But uh, You know, the crocodiles have the long, narrow snouts. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so that's true. I love the picture of the issue. They're jumping over the car. There's two cars going in the opposite directions. a little confusing when you first look at it. Okay. That's yeah. why that they're faced in two different directions. Gotcha. Okay. How does he jump over the cars? Well, it's a very agile gator. <laughs> it's, that gator's a triathlete. Oh, dare I ask why he's a triathlete? No, I mean, it's just a fantasy. Oh, it's okay. uh, it kind of encompasses the spirit of the story. Oh, good heavens. Oh, this, this is... If, if, you know, I haven't had a chance to read the novels yet, but I'm going to. I, I, I supported, I think, the Indiegogo. I think when the novel the first came out, I bought that. But I, I my problem is with novels and stuff, I, I struggle to fit them in when I'm trying to do other things. 
So well, it, you'll it, like the novel because it's very episodic. Okay. <laughs> okay. So when did this all start? When did you start writing Florida Man? Oh, about a year ago, I suppose. I, I can't even remember uh, when I got the notion, but then all of a sudden I was on fire. And I wanted to do it as a comic first, so I wrote five scripts, and when I was done, I realized I had a very detailed outline for a novel. So I wrote the novel, and I showed it to my publisher, and he snapped it up, and it was in print a month later. Wow. Oh, gosh. There's this... <laughs> you know, one of the things you see down here in Florida is attorney at law uh, signs all over the place, and I, I love... Habib Rodriguez. <laughs> oh, Habib, yeah. And he says, uh, yeah, I don't know if I should say it. He says, I'll get you off one way or another, he says. He says, we don't know what your case is worth until you talk to us, and you don't pay unless we collect. <laughs> oh, heavens, this is going to be great fun. Oh, gosh, this is going to be great. It's so much fun to do. Yeah, Sorry. Habib's a major player in both the comic and the novel. Really? Oh, yeah. how, how does he get involved? Well, I, Gary Gary is in and out of trouble constantly. Mm -hmm. I mean, his whole life, you know. Mm -hmm. and first, he has to see Habib to get his girl Crystal out of jail, mm -hmm. and Habib says, "What? Do you have any money?" And I said, "No, I don't have any money." And Habib says, "Well, I need a favor. I need you to take a picture of this man cheating on his wife for another client." Mm -hmm. So uh, Gary sneaks off in the dark, and he, he uh, lays wait at this shady motel. Uh, and then he sees the client go in with this seven-foot-tall uh, Jamaican transvestite. And he, and he sneaks up to take the photo, but, but a car turns into the lot and casts a shadow into the room. And, oh. and Patrice mm -hmm. comes out, infuriated. Patrice is the transvestite. He says, what are you doing? They get in a big fight. And the client sneaks off, but that's how he meets Patrice, and they later become fast friends. Uh, and, but but Patrice is an unusual character. He's Jamaican, uh, and he's saving up for a sex change operation. Okay. And I don't want to give away too much, but but, but Patrice is a recurring character. Oh, I think I he's got pink hair at one point. Looks like. Yeah, that's a wig. Oh, it is? Okay, so that... Oh, yeah, you can see the wig come off. Oh, well, he doesn't have that scene there, but yeah. when they get in a fight, the wig comes off. Oh, heavens. <laughs> there's an alligator in the toilet. And there's roaches all over it, too. Yeah, that, that's Florida. Oh, please, please, we call them palmetto bugs. That's right, that's right. <laughs> when I first moved to Florida, it's a, it's a funny thing. I went to this place that was a brand new place. They, nobody had ever lived in this apartment before. And I came home from work one day, and I opened the door, and on the wall was this palmetto bug. He must have been almost a foot in length <laughs> on the wall, and I just about fainted. I looked up, and I went, oh, my gosh, where did that come from? And, you know, they're, they're everywhere all over here. They, they, one of the local radio stations runs a, an ad that talks about, when you come home and you turn off the light, does everything scatter around your apartment? <laughs> and I'm like... This is, you know, a common thing that we can relate to, apparently. <laughs> so it's great. So, so she's a wrestler. Let, let's talk about uh, the girlfriend a little because that's yeah. that's interesting. Not everybody down here is a wrestler, but that's uh, a lot of women would like to be. Well, uh, the manner in which she becomes a wrestler is so shocking, so horrifying, and it's one of the big secrets of the story. I can't give it away. Okay. But but when you come to that moment in the in the book. 
your head is going to explode. Your eyes are going to pop out of your skull. And as soon as you're finished, you're going to turn to the person next to you and say, you got to read this. I guarantee you, I guarantee you will laugh out loud. This is a funny book that's really funny. Well, that's good because I, I – you know, a funny book used to be a, a good term. And somewhere that got lost in in, uh, in the rushing of people going around, and then some people don't want it to be called funny books. I don't humor to me is never a bad thing, you know. No. I, I always like a good a good funny story, and so I'm always when people say funny books and they they wouldn't want to be funny books. I said I wish more of them were funny, you know. That would be a great well, thing. Well, I've ha- I've written my share of of uh, grim and gritty. I wrote The Punisher for five years. Mm-hmm. And my own creation, Nexus, often uh, ventures into uh, very serious territory. Nexus is a reluctant executioner of mass murderers. Uh, and I've written a lot of books. You know, I wrote The Flash. I've written some Batman. I've mm-hmm. written some Star Wars. I love mm-hmm. comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've written some humorous stories before, but they were never feature length. Mm-hmm. And this one, the whole point of the book is to make you laugh. Yeah, well, believe me. As somebody who lives in Florida, I'm going to enjoy this. Uh, let, let's get back to the Kickstarter for a second here because you, you did a low goal and you've vastly surpassed that, which is good. That's going to conclude on Sunday, November the 1st at 11.59 p.m., just before midnight Eastern Time. Which would be great, and you're certain to get your money because you've passed your goal already. Uh, as we're talking, you've got 84 backers, and hope that, I'm sure that'll go up before we get to the thing. You know, you're in that dull uh, downtime in the middle of uh, Kickstarter's. You know, at the beginning, at the end, everything goes on, and in the middle, there's all this quiet time where everybody looks at it and goes, "Like, is anybody? Everybody logs in every five minutes. And says, is anybody pledged yet? Is anybody pledged yet?" And then they go, oh, no, and that doesn't happen. But uh, on the other hand, your Indiegogo, let's see. You got this concluded on August 3rd, right? Yes, but it's opening on demand. So you can go to the Indiegogo page and you can sign up for any level. You can get the book. uh, You know, and we were offering uh, two valet services where uh, you get – written into the comic and drawn into the comic as a wrestling valet, uh, someone who uh, accompanies either Crystal or her her uh, opponent, the cassowary, mm-hmm. into the ring. But those have both been taken. Yeah, I bet. That, that's one of my very – someday I'm going to have enough money to get one of those things, get myself drawn into a comic. I can't wait for that. But uh, this is going to be – this is great fun. So you've got two novels, and this is the first comic. Does the comic cover like the part of the first novel? Is that what this does? It does. Uh, but then uh, in the second half, I compressed some uh, elements of the novel and worked them in, and then a part of it is totally original and unique mm-hmm. to the comic book. Hmm. Is that where the bunny is involved? There's a bunny. (laughs) You know, that also is inspired by a real incident. There's a video, if you Google it, uh, say, Florida man in rabbit suit gets in fight. And and you'll see it. And that was the inspiration for that illustration, which is by Joe Comstock, by the way. Joe did that illustration. He's a terrific artist. Uh, But but the rabbit incident doesn't uh, occur until the third Florida Man novel, which I'm working on right now. Okay. Okay, so this is this is a preview of, of things to come. Yeah, it is, but it's also emblematic of Florida Man. I mean, it's everything Florida Man stands for. <laughs> Heavenly days. <laughs> I, you know, it's dumb. it used to be I'd be shocked by these stories, but I, I no longer am. I mean, when I 
when I find out this rabbit thing is a real story, a real thing, I, I'm more entertained than shocked because I, I can see that stuff happening down here. It just, I, I, someday we'll have to do a thing for what is the craziest thing that's ever happened in Florida uh, as far Man, as that. you know, that would be a ferocious competition. <laughs> There'd be a lot of competitors. <laughs> oh, heavens, because it's just... It's just the most amazing thing. I just, I don't think there's a state like Florida anywhere else. I mean, some states have their craziness going on, but this state has just got it. It's just, it's it's unbelievable stuff. Shoplifting Florida man flees store, strips naked as steaks fall out of his pants. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Walmart evacuated after Florida man found crawling through ceiling. Oh, God. <laughs> You know, Florida might... man sexually assaults stuffed Olaf doll at Target. Oh, goodness. And you know the terrible thing is I'm not surprised by any of that. Here's one with pictures. Florida man removes nine-foot alligator from pool, and it shows him picking up the alligator and throwing it out of the pool. Oh, goodness. So you've got lots Outland. of... Oh, you've got lots of good things to put in future issues and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, there's too much material. Oh, man. So the first issue, so it's already done, basically, if you can order it through Indiegogo. Right. As far as that goes. So, so let's see. If you go to Indiegogo, you can – it's called a, it's a graphic novel for $25, right? Right. As, as we're talking, 511 have claimed that. And let's see. Then there's 34 have claimed the, the Beach Party bundle you were talking about. The yes. 151. So, man, but you can still get those, right? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, wow. So there's, I guess you get to choose which uh, which uh, fundraiser you want to support. I guess go to Kickstarter. Although Kickstarter will end on November the first. I don't. Can you can't do that with uh, Kickstarter, right? You can't keep the thing going on Kickstarter like you can with Indiegogo, or can no. you? No, you okay. can't. So it's a one deal. Well, that begs the question, though. If you already had the Indiegogo thing happening, why did you go to Kickstarter? Uh. Well, Chris Brawley runs this campaign. I asked him to. He's pretty smart about these things. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and for one reason, is so the Indiegogo kind of topped out. But on Kickstarter, we've continued to add people. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, I hate to say this, but some people will not support Indiegogo for political reasons. Oh. And some people will not support Kickstarter for political reasons. Don't oh. ask me why. Yeah, but I've, I've had people say, well, it's too bad you're – Project is on Kickstarter. Those miserable so and sos. I'm not going to give them my money. Oh, I I, <clears throat> I go from one to the other, and the only reason I do that is because there, there's something on there that I want. That, somebody's calling you apparently. Once yeah, it's there. Chris. Oh, it hey Chris. Chris, I'm on I'm on the thing right now with Wayne <laughs> Hall. <laughs> yeah, that'll be at eight. Okay. Not yet, but I will as soon as I get off this show. <laughs> All right. Okay. We interrupt this. talking about you. All right. That's it. That's it. I just hung up on you. We interrupt this show for a commercial. The, yeah. the, find out your schedule was too bad that this isn't live because people could turn into that. But, um, oh, yeah. Be sure to send me a link so I can post Oh, yeah. This will post Sunday morning at usually around 11 o'clock. I don't do the posting, so it, it, it varies. But as soon as I know it's out there, I'll, I'll send it to you. We'll get it around. Of course, I, I promote these things on every social media thing I can figure out. And I've, I've got most of them figured out. There's a couple I haven't, but I try to do it. But, uh, so that's, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm curious. So you don't mind going on, on either platform then as far as that goes? No. 
No, I mean, my goal is, is purely to entertain. Every writer has their rules, and my first three rules is, number one, it's my job to entertain, and I always keep that in the forefront. Mm-hmm. I want to grab readers by the throat and drag them into the narrative so that they get very irritated if anything interrupts them. Mm-hmm. Number two is show, don't tell, and number three is be original. Mm-hmm. Well, Florida Man, you're the first one I know to do a Florida Man thing, so that is original. Thank you. you. I was since uh, followed up by another guy who came out with a novel called Florida Man, which is more of a crime thriller. Oh, uh, but don't be confused, and you can't copyright a title. Oh, that's right. That's too bad. Well, let me tell you, this is—I—I I, I will never be confused. <laughs> no. This one is unique. <laughs> yeah. So I can't but see that's that. That's rule number three. That's right. That's, that's how you do that. So, um, so I guess moving forward, if you don't participate in the Kickstarter, you can still always go back to Indiegogo and and go there. Are, are you going to make this available like through Diamond or Comixology? How, how are you going to get the, these books out to people uh, You know, if you don't go to Indiegogo? Well, after we uh, fulfill our campaign, we do have a retailer level there where the, uh, retailers can order. And we're going to contact every comic book store in Florida and let them know about it. <laughs> and we are talking to Diamond. Uh, uh, it, it may be that Diamond will pick the book up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as for Comixology, I will put that by Chris later. Because okay. uh, we may well do that as well. But for me, a comic is something you hold in your hand. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I look at a lot of stuff on online. We all do. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, But there's a magic that happens when you hold a two-dimensional right. page. Right. And it draws you into a three-dimensional world. Yeah. And it's just, it's not the same on a screen. It's just not. Yeah. There's something about having it printed on paper that's that's magical. What I tend to do when I go to digital is when I can't get a paper copy. And right. I want to keep up. Like, let's say issue two, issue one comes out and I don't get it, but issue two is coming, and I know I'm going to get issue two. So what I do is I, I'll go and get the digital version of one, and then I'll that way I can when two comes out I can get that, and then I can always look around for uh, paper copies of one if I need to. But I, it, to me, the story is the thing, and I have some p- computer geek friends of mine who think that the color is so much better when you look at a digital screen version of it, and I'm like, okay. I guess that's well, okay. Well, yes and no. I mean, I, I have a copy of Florida Man, the novel, right here in my hand, mm-hmm. and the colors are very vivid. They're mm-hmm. just as good as they are on screen. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, I can't wait. This is gonna. I can't wait to read this. This is going to be great fun. I'm going to sit down and read the novel, too, because I, I know I have a copy of the novel. I just haven't gotten to it. But uh, I, I'm just so entertained by the whole thought of this wonderful thing. So this is the first issue. You're going to do a second issue, Sounds we like. are planning to proceed, yes. How uh, any uh, schedule for that, or because uh, this one is still going. Obviously, you're you're selling on Indiegogo. You're doing the Kickstarter, so there's other all good things going on with that. Any idea when you're going to work on number two? I'll probably start before the end of the year. It's writing it is going to be a breeze. The problem is I have too much material. Really, I mean, it's just, there's no no lack of, of of story, and it's not just all headlines too. Because when you read the book, in many ways, Gary's the most admirable character in the book. He's got depth. He's got heart. He's a very likable guy. He just has a hair trigger temper. He makes bad decisions he's always looking for a quick buck mm. and he likes to get drunk and he likes to get high mm. that sounds like a lot of florida all right yeah yeah i think that you're on target there 
Well, part of the, the trick, I think, to writing a successful novel is that the reader wants somebody with whom they can identify and root for, uh, unless you're writing a, reading a Flashman novel, which mm-hmm. is another thing altogether. I mean, there are novels with uh, repulsive protagonists uh, where you can't turn away, books by Cormac McCarthy and people like that. That's not the kind of story I write. Mm-hmm. I like to uh, give a character that the reader can in- invest in emotionally, and I think mm-hmm. Gary's that guy. <clears throat> Let me tell you, I well, I remember the Badger too, and all those good things. Those were all great books and stuff like that. That came back for a little while. I, I hope that'll come back again at some point. Well, we're about to release a Badger novel. In fact, oh. we're gonna we're gonna crowdfund that as well. Oh. I was just talking with my editor Alex Wald about that today. Alex has been the Badger editor for for uh, forty years. Wow. Uh, and I'm very excited about it. It's written. It's really good. It's much more in-depth than any of the comics could ever hope to be, and it's going to blow your mind. Oh, wow. When's that going to come out? Uh, we hope to launch the crowdfunder next month. My okay. wife, Anne, will run that mm. as she ran our cue ball campaign, which was very successful. Mm-hmm. And we're now preparing the cue ball trade paperback. Uh, but uh, my partner on that, Barry McLean, and Barry has a piece on this uh, Indiegogo page. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the one, if you scroll down, where is that? Uh, just below the rabbit, that oh. scene where, where Gary's miracle cure-all. <laughs> Barry McLean drew that. And Barry's my partner on the cue ball. But cue okay. ball is completely different. It's a martial arts espionage mm-hmm. uh, story with all sorts of action and uh, martial arts, and the martial arts are, are realistic and dynamic and intricately choreographed. Wow. <laughs> I, I do have to ask, I mean, did Todd base the, the looks of these people on real Florida people? I know I, I, know I asked if, if Gary was based on a, a, a real person. Did he, visually, it might be easier and more fun to base these people on real people. Did, did he do that, or is this kind of like yours there, a, a product of both? I think it's a product of both. You know, I've never asked Todd that, and I think I will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, uh, you know, uh, his Gary looks a little Cuban, and I think he mentioned that to me. Hmm. Wow. But he could be anybody. Yeah, it's it's true. It just depends. Of course, when you're down in Florida and if you're out in the sun a lot, you get a little baked. So it just your skin color might change <laughs> around a little depending on how yep. much you go out. But, uh, yep. gosh, the, the, the artwork is great, and it I, the the way he draws the palm trees is very true. <laughs> oh heavens, there there is so much I'm going to enjoy on this, and I, I might get a lot of laughs out of the the, the art in the background of stuff. Because, oh yeah, yeah, there's, it's filled with sight gags. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful stuff. I I can't wait for this. This is going to be one of those great things. Now, of course, that leads me to ask: Is there any interest in t- making Florida Man go a video? You talked about a video. Uh, what about making a series out of it? Because Netflix and stuff like that doesn't mind doing uh, off-center stuff. Any chance that this might go uh, to a video show? Well, you know, that's really up to a producer finding us. You can't make those things happen. This mm-hmm. other Florida Man story I told you about, the crime-centered mm-hmm. one, has already been sold for a TV series. And hmm. It came out after mine. Hmm. Uh, but the, the problem is I'm on a, a, a mid-sized publisher, mm-hmm. and the other Florida Man novel came out with a big publisher with a big ad budget, and we could oh. certainly benefit from that sort of thing. Although I'm happy 
with my publisher and, and grateful for them to give me this opportunity. Mm-hmm. But getting the book in front of a producer, that's another story altogether. Mm-hmm. I'm here in Colorado. You know, I, I don't know any producers. I have friends mm-hmm. who know producers. Mm-hmm. But you, it's the kind of thing where you can't chase after people. They have mm-hmm. to find you. It has to be their idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do have a couple of things in the works, and they're not Florida Man. Uh, oh. I can't announce them yet because nothing okay. is signed. But keep your fingers crossed. Okay, I'd love to see it. It would be this is, it screams television show to me, and I I, I would laugh because I have watched like Ozark, and I've watched other shows like that where they're in. It's a little similar situation, and boy, it takes off. So I could see this. <laughs> I could see it being big in Florida. The question is, would other people really get, you know, the, what's going on? That would be the. Oh, I think turn. you know, it'd be a universal story. All you got to do is tell a good story. But when you read the novel, you'll see there are elements in the novel that are somewhat similar uh, to the elements in Ozark, because uh, you can't have a Florida man story without cocaine. <laughs> oh, okay. We won't go any further into that. We'll we'll let that speak for itself. I think would be a. A good thing to do it, but uh, so issue two is going to start up before too long. Do you have any idea? You've said about how much, how limitless the subject matter is. Do you have a certain number of stories in mind, or is this the kind of the gift that keeps on giving? Well, I'd like to do this series indefinitely. I don't think I'll ever run out of ideas. Uh, The the trick is to keep topping myself and to to keep producing situations that are going to make people spit milk out through their nose, which I think they're doing. <laughs> okay. Oh, I can't wait to read this. This is going to be great fun. I, Because, I, you know, the, the, the funny thing is I am normally drawn to darker comics, Batman, uh-huh. you know, stuff like that. Nexus, like I said, is just a huge, one of, one of the seminal books in my reading experience. Because well, I had... You. I had no idea what you were going to do. You guys were going to do with stories, and I could I could talk about it for hours because there were so many things that I went, <gasps> what? And, you know, when I read that book, so I, I loved it. And you know, well, speaking of that, what? Um, as far as Nexus and and Mr. Rude and all these things, how are are, are things? Are there anything going on along those lines? Well, plenty. Uh, we just. Uh, kick-started a Nexus novel, which my wife Ann also ran, mm. uh, and that was a big success. Mm. And, uh, they're cluttering up my dining room table. They're available for anybody who's interested. All they have to is contact me. Mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter at Bloody Red Baron. Mm-hmm. I'm on Facebook. I have a Mike Baron author page, uh, and my website is bloodyredbaron.com. Uh, the novel was a huge success. Dude was all for it, of course. He provided the cover art, uh, but it's a big novel, and it goes into Nexus World in, in much greater depth. It's a serious science fiction novel, but of course, like everything I write, there's got to be flashes of humor. Uh, I think that, that even the grimmest story must have flashes of humor to succeed. I, Shakespeare understood that. Uh, even Schindler's List has a few jokes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I got. If I remember correctly, I ordered that. So I, I, I if not, I'll, I'll, I'll get a hold of you later. Let me know if you got it. Yeah, I, I don't think I've gotten it yet. But I'll, so I'll have to. If, if not, I'll buy it from you because I, I want to get that. Because Nexus is just. Oh, I, I like I said. Don't I can't get started because I'll be gone for about an hour talking about it. Because yeah. <laughs> I love that book. So it was just. 
Gosh, I see. I, I'm tempted to jump into it. I just can't. I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll lose. You'll be late for everything else. You got to do the rest of the day if I get started. Well, so I no, I, I, I should say that dude is about to start crowdfunding uh, a huge Nexus graphic novel, which I wrote for him. Oh. Uh, but then he changed all the lines, and I wasn't too happy about that. So mm. that's why I wrote the novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the story. Dude, years ago, he said, well, what's the ultimate Nexus story? And I said, well, Nexus versus Galactus. <laughs> but we can't use Galactus, mm-hmm. so we created our own, and we call him Gormando. <laughs> okay. And that's what the novel is about, and that's what Dude's huge book is about. And I've seen it. The art is just magnificent. So are these competing ultimate Not Nexus stories? Not oh, at okay. all. Complimentary. Complimentary. Okay. So one uh, uh, you know, augments the other. Is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. All right. So we'll have to we'll have to get on to those good things because uh, I, I, there's never too much nexus for me. I I just you could bring that back and I'd be there in a second. Um, well, you know, I'm doing a three issue series with Splato Comics that Kelsey Shannon is illustrating. No. Oh, I gotta yeah. get that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I gotta I gotta keep track it's, of this. It's uh, it's an add on with the Impossible Stars on oh. Indiegogo. So if you go to Impossible Stars on Indiegogo. And scroll down, you'll find the Nexus book. But I was talking with Richard, and he's going to offer it separately. And this is the first of three issues, and eventually it'll be packaged as a trade paperback. Oh, wow. Because I was looking at this. Holy smoke, impossible. <laughs> That's what you call a successful uh, system. You, you, Wow. Okay, that looks like that just ended. Yes. Impossible stars did, but you can still get the, oh, there's, oh, hold on. I got to I'm sorry. I got to while we're talking I'm going to sign up for this perk. I got to have that. <laughs> I got to get well, that that to Nexus. Thanks so man. I I wow. I I'm dying to get my hands on that one. So let me see. So, so, so let me fill out. Okay, I think I've got it. I agree. Submit payment. It's on my way. It's going to be coming my way. Not soon enough, of course, but I'll be looking forward to that. So man, we should talk more often. I'm going to have to find out these other things that you're up to cuz man, you're up to a whole lot of good stuff. Well, I'm happy to. In fact, I got one more. Oh, okay, go ahead. The, the Nexus Lone Star Bigfoot Bill crossover. What? And I'll, <laughs> I'll send you some art for for that when oh, uh, when we're done. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Let me do. We'll, we'll have to talk about that some more when when the time comes. Because wow, that, that sounds like a great thing. Because anything that has the word Nexus in it, I'm there. Because I I dearly 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 love that book with a passion. That's a crazy story. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well. Okay. So anything else that you're working on that we should be aware of besides Florida Man and Nexus and Impossible Stars and you name all these good things. What else are you up to? Well, I'm about to turn in my eighth biker novel, uh, oh, yeah. Wolfpack, yeah. and that's that's the publisher okay. uh, of uh, the Florida Man novel. Okay. And uh, I'm excited about that. Cool, man. Man, you are a busy guy, and the the, the it's just great stuff. You've already you, you got one of my last questions already. You talked about how to follow you on social media, which is you're obviously a veteran of these kinds of interviews, so that's good stuff. Um, I got to ask you, of course, how Bob is doing. I I follow, <laughs> I follow you on Facebook, and I always get a huge kick out of the Bob pictures and what he does. He's such a funny guy. Well, uh, hang on. Can you see my video? I I I see it. Yes. Is he there? Hang on, I'll let me. Oh, I see him back behind you. There he is back there. I see him. He's snoozing. That's yeah, him. there's Bob right there. He's a cutie. He's a funny guy. He's so. He, he's just a good guy. He's he's 
See, anybody that takes care of animals like that and then really appreciates them like you do, I think that's a, that's a good thing. It's a good sign. So, yeah, he's just a wonderful guy. So if, if you ever follow on uh, Mike on, on Facebook and stuff, you will often, and, and your wife, you will often see Bob pictures up there. And he's just yes. a character. He's Bob's, a character. Bob's famous. <laughs> he's, a, he's a character. He does so many funny things. Of course, you've got other dogs, too, which is always good stuff. How many dogs well, do you have, by the way? Freddie and Mac. Mm-hmm. Oh, Are you sure. on Facebook? I am. I follow you on Facebook. And we, uh, So we're Facebook friends. Yes. Yes, we are. So it's just Wayne Hall. It's under there. Of course, there's a million Wayne Halls on Facebook. So uh, I'm on there, though. You, you, you'll, you'll probably oh, see yeah, the... Wayne Arthur Hall. That's me. That's yeah. me. You find me in there. I I don't do the dog thing. We have uh, two dogs with us. And we have ducks. We have ducks. That's right. You'll see the some of the ducks early on. I haven't, I haven't taken pictures of them recently. But they're around. Yeah, they're in there someplace. We have some videos on there, some of them and stuff like that. So... Any, I think animals, the way that you treat animals, I think, is a really sign of your character. And so I, anybody who has multiple dogs around the house, I, I applaud and I, I admire because that's good stuff. If you can treat them well, that, that's, and especially in this day and age, I think that's a wonderful thing. Well, thanks, Wayne. Well, Mike, I have to tell you, it's wonderful to talk with you as always. We'll talk again sometime. Man, I can never keep up with all the stuff you're up to, so i got to do a better job of that. And I guess one of the ways we'll, we'll have to talk some more. But anyway, Indiegogo, if, uh, probably we should go Kickstarter first because that's going to have a, a limited shelf life. Sunday, November 1, is the, the conclusion of the already successful Florida Man the Graphic Novel uh, Kickstarter. And that's a good one. If you don't get to that, I would say go back to the Florida Man on Indiegogo because there's all kinds of good stuff on there. Possible Stars is out there. All kinds of wonderful things going on. So, man, I can say, Mike, I'm just glad you're keeping it up and making good things happen because I'm going to keep enjoying it. So, all I can say is, is I am so happy that uh, uh, Nexus was just the beginning. As far as well, thank doing. you, sir. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. It's great to welcome to the podcast, Nondor Schaefer, one of the big creators behind a really fascinating book called Seasons, and the second season of Seasons, because summer is underway on Kickstarter. So let's talk about that, Nondor. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Wayne. Uh, thanks for having me on on your show. It's good to talk with you. Uh, I, I'm interested. I, I don't really come across many web comics mm-hmm. but i think yours was originally a web comic right yes it, it it i always uh my artist and i always had um uh the you know expectation uh to make a book out of it but um we thought the best way to kind of you know give it its trial run and, and see if people liked it and were interested in it 
um, to put it out there for free as a webcomic first um, to kind of get our feet wet and, and see and kind of, you know, uh, see what kind of uh, response we could get from it. And we thought the webcomic format uh, would be the best way to start trying to grow a fan base. Yeah, and, and you've done a good job on it. This is what, your second Kickstarter? Uh, this is actually my third. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. I so I, my first one was was for seasons volume one spring, and then my second book um, was uh, Lifeline, and I crowdfunded that one on Kickstarter as well. And that was one um, I worked with seven different artists from all around the world. It's a separate standalone graphic novel, um, and each chapter was drawn by a different artist uh, due to the story. Um, it, uh, told the life story of, uh, one, one man. Um, but each chapter dealt with a different decade in that man's life. And it was told from the perspective of a different character. So, um, it was kind of this experimental thing I wanted to do. And there were so many different artists I wanted to work with. So I thought I'd think of a way to bring them all together. And, and so that was a lifeline. So now, uh, we're back with seasons, uh, volume two summer for my third one. Hmm. I want to get into lifeline but we should focus on the current kickstarter yeah. to, to begin so give people a, a, a summary a, a kind of the tv guide pitches to what is seasons about right uh seasons is a planned four volume graphic novel series um it follows a young man through one year of his life set in real time and it's a superhero supernatural story with slice of life elements um it uh with each passing season, the main character, his name is Fletcher, uh, he gains new powers and abilities. So as the seasons change, uh, so do his powers. And um, each volume is its separate story, but um, uh, there's a larger framework where all the, all the volumes and there's a larger story where they all connect together. Um, and uh, if I were to compare it or, you know, kind of give a, a comparison, I, I'm a big fan of like James O'Barr's The Crow and Scott McCloud's The Sculptor. Um, and there's a lot of kind of manga influence in there too. Um, but it's, a it's a story about this character, uh, trying to find purpose and meaning in his life. And he starts out really, you know, depressed and really not mentally stable and, um, kind of has a mental breakdown. And through that, he, uh, discovers this, uh, new, new power set, these abilities that he has, and it thrusts him on this, uh, one year long journey where he has to uh, figure out and, and decide what kind of person he wants to be. It's interesting. This is kind of a, uh, what I like to call a tense and intense story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, this is not a book. This is not a casual read. This is right, one that you've got to, right. you have to sit down and I think you've got to go through it a couple times to really get the whole thing about it and so you know it's on uh, the website we should probably mention to people is seasons the is where these chapters are all at but yeah. you did the, the kickstarter for the first volume which was the spring and how did that go by the way it went very well um we uh uh it was really you know nerve-wracking for my first campaign um <laughs> But we did, we did, you know, we hit the goal and that's, that's what was important. And, um, you know, there were definitely some, you know, um, slow weeks, slow days. And you're like, oh man, you know, is this actually gonna, gonna turn out for the, for the best? Um, thankfully, um, I had made some really good connections with people like Jason Brubaker, um, and, um, have gotten some good kind of 
press or or little blurbs from different creators about about the book and so i think that helped um, people trust what i was doing and then having it there for free for people to read i think you know really proved the worth of the comic and the value of it and i think people saw that and uh, thankfully we funded and um, we raised over sixty five hundred dollars um so for for my first kickstarter it was really encouraging and and it made me go okay people like this let's let's keep you know let's keep doing it that's good because you know the the you've gone through what every Kickstarter does, and I always mention it on this podcast is that's the daily heart attack. You know, <laughs> yeah. you look at it and you log in, and oh no, nobody has has pledged in the last twenty four hours and last hour. Some people are endlessly refreshing, trying to get it, and then yeah, you go, oh no. That's definitely me. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, you always, you want to get as funded as soon as you can, just so you can put that to rest. And then you can start really thinking about the future of, of, of the book and, and kind of getting all your, um, you know, ducks in a row. And so it's always, you, you always feel like you're, you're being held back or you're, you know, you're just, you have to be really patient and, uh, it's, it's definitely a hard pill to swallow. Do you remember when you you met the goal in the first one? Yes, <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of the best days. Yeah, best days of my life was doing that, and it was even a better day when I when I got the book in my hands for the first time, and I got the I got the shipment in, and I opened up the box, and I you know it's it's a hardcover, um, you know, over over a hundred pages hardcover, and I opened it up, and it was just perfect, and it, I was like, man, I'm a I this is real now. It actually feels real now. And that's, that's really important to me. And like, I love having it out there for people to read. And I, you know, I'm doing my best to embrace the digital world, but I've always felt that comics, you know, are a really intimate experience. And I think you need to experience it uh, physically, at least I do to get the most out of it. And so when I finally got the book, I thought this, this is it. Like, this is how people need to read this and how to, how to sit down with it. It's real. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's tangible. Yeah, it's in your hand. It's so interesting because, you know, you guys do it. And as I was looking at your, your website, you put out new pages on Monday and Friday. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, but you're doing it digitally, interestingly enough. And it's during the Kickstarter that you do the the, the, the printing of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it, it's an interesting thing because, you know, there's always the debate in digital versus print, you know, it goes on. And even though yeah. you're doing it as a webtoon, basically, or a web comic, you, you still believe in the, 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 uh, the pinnacle is to have it printed. Yeah. I, you know, I've always wanted to go to conventions and, and I've always wanted to do like book signings and, um, I always wanted a physical copy. That was always just like the goal. And, and I honestly probably wouldn't, you know, be putting anything out there if, um, if I, you know, didn't want a physical copy of it. Uh, I, I have thought of some ideas and stories that could be, you know, just the, just digital, but, um, for this, especially, um, for this story, uh, the idea of like a, a four volume graphic novel series, you know, that I could have on my shelf and each one is, a different season of the year. It just, it begged like, like I felt like it, it, it deserved that. And, um, I, that's just how I've always uh, read comics and grown up with comics. And, um, I really, with the web comic, I really just wanted to get as many eyes on it as possible. And, and, um, I think that's what web comics are great, you know, great for. And 
uh, eventually we did put it on, uh, we have the first volume on Webtoon and, and as well as Comixology and then um, Topastic as another one. And there's a new comic uh, app right now called uh, Macroverse. And um, that one is really, really, uh, I, I work really closely with the creator um, of the app on that one. And it's a really interesting format where um, instead of like scrolling like vertically, like on Webtoon, you actually um, tap. And so you like you tap left to right to like go to the next panel. And it's somewhat like Comixology's guided view, but it's specifically made for the phone. And um, what's really neat is with Seasons, what we're doing on there, um, you're really experiencing it in a completely new way. And it, like even reading it, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've wrote, I've wrote the story. I've read it, you know, multiple times when I was editing it and trying to work through things. So when I was reading it again on that app, um, it's just a whole new experience and it's, it's really, really cool. Hmm. I have to give that a try because I'm used to comiXology. That's the one that I've, I've yeah. if it's digital, I've done the most, but uh, I also help uh, get some content out on drive through comics. Oh, cool. Cool deal. So there's all kinds of things to do it. I, digital for me has always been a way to, to catch up on something I missed physically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I've, I've experienced that too, especially like, you know, issues or, or runs you just can't find anywhere. And you're like, well, it's, it's on here. And, and sometimes you get really good deals too. Mm-hmm. Well, like if I missed the first issue, I, I didn't realize I was going to be interested in it. And then I didn't order it and then the store mm-hmm. didn't get it. And yeah. then I'm like, well, gosh, I'd like to read that. So when number two comes around, I can actually keep reading. Right. I, I, I'm less a collector than I am a reader. And so I, I oftentimes will, will buy the digital version mm-hmm. and look at it and then I'll catch up with the trade when one thing comes along. Yeah. So I'm really fascinated because seasons is really one of those stories that, you know, I, I'd like a story that, or a book that makes me pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 the show 24, I used to love because I used to have to pay attention. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and, and there's this other, of course I love Star Trek deep space nine was my favorite of the Star Treks. And yeah. that was another one. It, the more you paid attention, the more you got out of it. And I think seasons is like that. I think that, if you pay attention to what's going on, I, I think you'll get a whole lot more out of it than somebody who just sort of casually flips the page and goes, oh, that's interesting, kind of looking at it. You've got to really read that. But, you know, I think that it's, it's interesting to me. I think that some of the newer comic writers like yourself are doing it that way because I think that you've done the, the page flipping things, a book that you can read like in five minutes and then yeah. you're done. You know, that's kind of a... Uh, dull to me anymore mm-hmm. i want i want something that demands my attention yeah and i think season seasons is that way i mean when i i, I and honestly when I, I i'm reading the pages i'm just kind of like now what and then i go to the next page and i go wow that i didn't expect that to happen <laughs> but you know what's interesting though is i've had to go through it like i said I, i'm in the second time going through it now mm-hmm on the on your website and I, I i'm just I'm picking up things the first time through i really didn't grasp and i'm like wow I, I i have to say the first out of the gate stuff was surprising to me i i didn't know much about fletcher mm-hmm. be- and i was a little worried that he was a stalker 
right. in the beginning. You know, I, I thought, is this guy a good guy or a bad guy? What What's <laughs> happening with him? Was that your intention when you, you started this out? You know, he was a little nebulous as a character. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was really the, it, that really was the point of, of the whole kind of first kind of act of, of, of the first issue was, um, to really, uh, show that this, this, this character's desperate and that he's also kind of unstable. He could, he could be, you know, the enemy or he could be the good guy. And the, the first volume really explores that. And that's why, um, of course we go into the shadow self and just that kind of Carl Jung idea of, of the shadow. And, um, I really wanted to explore that idea that, you know, there's this duality of humanity and, and, I've always been interested in moral relativism and the implications of that. And like, if you had no conscience, um, what would you do? And, and, you know, what's, um, what's labeled a sin or not a sin. And, and, you know, why is that? And, you know, do we sin against our conscience? What does that look like? And, you know, why, why do we have these moral, uh, uh, boundaries that we set ourselves or that society sets itself on? And, um, with Fletcher, I wanted to explore that duality and, um, him being so obsessed with this coworker, this girl, um, was to me a great way to convey the idea of, of just how desperate he is and how he's putting all of his um, hopes and dreams into this, like you know, this thing, this person, this object, and he's not really living in reality. And um, I wanted to give him a wake-up call. Um, you know, I wanted him to go, wait a second, like there's something off about myself and it's not necessarily that, um, you know, he's, he's a bad character, but you know, he has to grow and learn that he can't stay this way. And seasons is all about change. And, um, that's really the, the, you know, the focal point of the whole series because, you know, seasons change and there's all these, uh, you know, change is a big deal of, of humanity and, and life. And, a lot of the time, I think we take uh, the changes we go through in our lives for granted. And I wanted to explore that even further with him. And so um, all of that is kind of to say that he needed to realize that he wasn't in a good place and he needed his shadow to, you know, um, he needed to face himself and face his own desires and his, his limitations and needed to recognize what those might be. And then even if you do recognize that, um, what, what's your next move? And that's really what's, what, what summer is volume two. It's really him determining, okay, like I see these things about myself. What, what now, like, how do I, how do I cope with this? What, you know, am I, am I actually a bad person? Am I, you know, am I, am I just misguided? All these really interesting questions. And he has to ask himself these and, kind of really find his footing in this, in this next volume. It's funny. Cause it's like a parable yeah, of, of like yeah. growing up on some levels, you know, because I, I'm a DC fan. I, uh-huh. I, I like iconic characters and stuff yeah. like that. I know my friends who love Marvel, they like everyday people and your character is a little more everyday, even though he's got powers, mm-hmm. those don't necessarily make him happy. And he still has to grow up and learn who he is as a result of this where, you know, Superman, I, I, I'm always drawn to 
conflicted characters. I mean, yeah, Batman's my yeah. guy. Batman's my guy, and I can't. You know, <laughs> I, I'm always because he's. You know, he's he's got to figure things out. He's got to work plan ahead, which is a little more like me. If I don't plan ahead, I'm in bigger trouble. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not invulnerable. Something comes around, and, and if I don't see something coming and it hits me, I'm in much bigger trouble than, say, Superman would be. Right, right. But what's interesting to me, though, is that uh, – I'm not being a Marvel guy. Of course, I, I'm always fascinated when I come across people like Fletcher because – I always in my mind think a superhero would make everything great. I mean, my whole life would be fantastic as a yeah. result. But that's not the case with Fletcher. He is – there's a sentence I love on the website that says he's a misunderstood average young man who isn't happy with his life anymore and has run away from almost everything and everyone. Mm-hmm. I found that really interesting because, you know, I I always figure when you get power, somehow you come to the forefront and you're, you're the guy who makes things right. You <laughs> yeah. Work for the good. But, but that didn't happen with him. I mean, his and interestingly enough, his powers shift from season to season. He doesn't have the same powers in mm-hmm. summer that he did in spring, which I find interesting. I, I, are we going to find out about how this all comes to happen or is this is this just something we kind of accept as this is the way it is um so uh it's definitely definitely a um a, it, it, for the long game like we're in we're in we're in for a long ride when it comes to um kind of the origin of his abilities and why why he has them you know specifically and that's where he really is in summer where he's asking those questions you know he, he really is the reader in that respect of of your, you put yourself in Fletcher's shoes and you're like, okay, man, you got to figure out like why this is happening to you. And, um, you know, where do these come from? And, uh, it definitely is something that is a, is a mystery, uh, within the series and something I want people to try to figure out, of course, you know, on their own, but it, it's definitely something that will address, um, uh, in, in this book and in the further, uh, the next two books as well. How many pages are in like a season? Do you know exactly yeah, how many um, you get? Yeah. So the, the first book was, um, just, just over like a hundred and like 16 to 120 pages and the same with uh, the second book too. Um, and I, I really have all of, uh, volume three and volume four mostly done. Um, hmm. So um, they're definitely all going to be over 100, 120 pages. Um, so wow. definitely substantial. You know, all together, it's going to be, you know, like a 500 plus page story if you put all four volumes together. Um, and that's, you know, that's definitely um, my my big hope and dream is to get all four of these out and, um, you know, have, have them on uh, every comic fan's bookshelf. <laughs> mm, like an omnibus. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that'd be really sweet. Like a slip case, you know, like you put yeah. all four in there, it'd be really cool. Oh, yeah, that'd be wonderful. Because one of my very favorite versions of that book was the JLA Avengers crossover. Oh, yes, yes, hardcover, slipcover, all that stuff. Oh, gosh, every <laughs> once in a while, I, I have two copies of it because I know I'm going to pull it out and I'm going to dive into it every once in a while. <laughs> so I, yeah. I keep one to keep and one to read. And you know, your book is, I, I've got to say, it's just, I, I'm you know, we talked a little bit before we started recording about the fact that you've been doing this for several years and you were actually started this kind of young, this, this mm-hmm. whole story. And I, I, how long has seasons been, been rumbling around in your brain? 
It's uh, so like as of you know today, um, I, I really started um, coming up with the idea for it when I was seventeen, um, and I'm twenty three now. So it's been you know five years. I've really had this uh, story um, in in my head and in in, in my heart, and um, so it's you know it's definitely something that's been this. Uh, kind of burden to carry because I've been wanting to get it out, you know, as soon as I can. And you can only do so much, you know, with, with budgeting, with, you know, with trying to grow um, your, your fan base and your story and, and everything. So it, it's, it's uh, definitely be, been, you know, a long time. And um, uh, thankfully, you know, after volume two, we'll be halfway there. So there's, there's kind of this light at the end of the tunnel that I can start to see, but um I really was developing it for um, about uh, about like three to six months in the initial stage of of the first volume and and then, you know, kind of figuring out the rest of the series. And then when I um, started uh, working on it with Anthony, you know, we really uh, hit a hit a stride to to get the first volume out as soon as we could. Um, And uh, it really has taken longer than I've wanted it to, but just because of, you know, life gets in the way. And, and, um, also I had my other book in between this one, volumes one and two. So I was trying to still trying to work on other things at the same time I'm doing seasons, but, um, it's really, it really is like, uh, my baby you could say, and, and my first work and, um, something it, it, it will always hold, you know, kind of the, the, the most special part, uh, because it was really like out of, out of high school, I was trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do? And, um, I knew I loved storytelling and I knew I loved stories, you know, and you name it, if it's, you know, comics, movies, uh, TV shows, video games, like any, anything that really captivated me and made me, um, think, uh, and made me reflect on my own life. Those were always my favorite stories. And, um, seasons was birthed out of that. And also the idea where, um, if I were to tell a story, you know, what would it look like? I was trying to kind of explore my own creativity and and what could I actually do? And, um, I thought, uh, you know, I love superhero stories. I grew up with comics all my life. And, um, I love, you know, each, each character has their own power set and, you know, we all know what Superman can do, Wolverine and and Iron Man and all these characters. Um, and then I thought, what if there's a character where we don't know, you know, what he can do and, and it's always, you know, kind of alternating or or changing. And that's what really made me, um, uh, keep exploring it and what eventually led to seasons. How did you come across Anthony, your artist? Uh, I want to talk about that, but then I want to get into the other characters. Yeah. So um, I actually uh, was, you know, searching online, uh, trying to find someone. I, I didn't know any artists, you know, in my town or, or, or anything like that. I didn't have any artist friends. But um, so I was searching online and, and I, I knew of um, a few different sites, but one that I frequent, frequented uh, was uh, DeviantArt. And um, I'd go on there and just look at different ind- independent comic book art and kind of seeing what people have been working on. And um, I typed in something super general. I don't even necessarily remember what it was, but it was either like, you know, um, like sequential 
black and white or, or, you know, just, um, uh, comic book sequential art or something. And, and I would just scroll through the, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of, uh, work that's on there. Um, and then I saw, uh, strangely enough, I saw a piece that he had done from, uh, the movie. It's a wonderful life. Um, and it was, uh, the shot of Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed, um, kind of that, that scene where he's uh, talking about giving her the moon and it was just so detailed and, um, really striking black and white art. And then I clicked on that and then I saw his other work and then I was like, holy crap, like this guy is insanely good. And I reached out to him, um, just to see what he was doing. And he was, it was really kind of destined to be because, um, it was that week where he was really trying to find uh, projects to work on and really wanted to work with someone who actually like had a script. And, and I had all my work done. I had a, I had um, a script done. I had uh, like character designs already in my head and, you know, like putting together uh, documents, you know, to send artists because I wanted to make sure I had everything I could to, to help. And, and so I could see my vision through at the same time and we just really clicked and, um, you know, settled on a, on a, a price together and, and what we wanted the series to look like. And I had him do a trial page, of course, just to make sure I, I knew he could deliver. Um, and, uh, I actually own that page, um, that he did. Um, and, uh, I, I have it hanging up, um, in my office here because, um, it's just, uh, you know, we've, we've been, through this, you know, for five years together working on this large story and we're going to be working on it for, you know, a few more years to come. So we've built a really good uh, partnership, but also a really good friendship. And we storyboard together, you know, like sometimes it takes like, you know, three, four hours into the, you know, wee hours of the night and, you know, we've just gotten to know each other really well. Um, and it's been a really great friendship. And uh, he's, of course, I think, um, you know, uh, not, you know, no offense to any other indie artists out there, but like, you know, one of the best or if not the best, um, uh, independent artists that, you know, like hasn't been published by a big company. Um, and it's been such a joy to work with him. His artwork matches your story in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it's, it's crazy how that, you know, how well it works. Um, and, uh, you know, I've worked with other artists like I did with Lifeline and, and of course all of them did excellent and really went above and beyond. But I've noticed that uh, as Anthony and I have worked together more and we've put more time together and we, we really do like, I'll send him layouts and um, he'll look at those and, you know, uh, send me back ideas and then we'll uh, do it together in real time, looking at the pages and, um, I've noticed that our synergy and, and our chemistry um, really shines forth on the page. And there are just some pages that I know I couldn't have accomplished and he couldn't have accomplished, you know, without each other. And it's just really uh, motivating and invigorating because I, I know we have something really special and that we kind of, um, it's not necessarily like we do enjoy the same things and the same stories, but um it's just, I think our methodology of like, you know, creating and, and what we want to see on the page, we just have the similar tastes of 
what we want out of something. Hmm. Isn't that cool? I mean, when you discover that, when th- that, that relationship kind of just, it, it's like magic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's strange because even though it's, you know, it's my story and, and we're working on it together, like he'll send me a page and I feel like I'm a fan you know, looking at it and reading it and going, this is so awesome, you know, because like, uh, I, I'm such an admirer of sequential art and comic book art so that when I see it, um, it almost takes me kind of out of myself and I'm just appreciating it from, you know, kind of, you know, a a passerby going, this is like insanely good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better than what you could imagine. Sometimes right. I, right. It, it's so good. Well, the reason I, I, I understand that perspective is because I, I'm an editor of an indie comic and I, I've been there from the beginning and I've watched it grow. And mm-hmm. it was really interesting when we first got, the, you know, the, the, the writer and creator came up with the story and he put out things for different artists to do. And he had like character designs and there was this one character everybody liked. It was the bad guy and everybody mm-hmm. wanted to draw that character. And, uh, we saw these drawings and they were rather standard. And all of a sudden this one came across and we were like, holy smoke. <laughs> you know, we said that is like 10 times better than we could have imagined it. And it's, I, I, it sounds like you've gone through the kind of the same thing that, that it's, it's realistic. And yet it's super, oh, gosh, I don't know what the right word is. It's it, yeah. it, in a realistic sense. It's bigger yeah it's energetic like it it, it, mm-hmm. it there's there's so much um movement even even like panels and and pages where maybe not a whole lot is going on it feels like a lot is going on and that's something um that he's a master at and there, there's a lot of um especially in volume two there's been a lot of great uh character moments and and kind of dialogue between uh fletcher and and this other character Heath and um, they're getting to know each other um, and they're, they're, you know, asking each other questions and, and there's a lot of kind of catching up to do between them. And uh, we were working on those pages and it was like, it was a goal of Anthony and and, and mine to make sure, even though there's a lot of dialogue happening, a lot of kind of, um, uh, you know, narr- narration or, or um, kind of, um, you know, explaining to the reader what's going on. Um, we really wanted everything to feel um, exciting. And Anthony is just such a, such a master at making people who are just talking, you know, make it feel exciting and, and, and energetic. And like you're um, like, you can actually, even though it's a still image, you can actually feel the movement and, and kind of see the movement. I, I people always get on me for this because I get into just these things and I I'm, I want to talk about them more, but I yeah. want to take a quick break and take a step back really quickly and say that the Kickstarter is going on right now and it's going to end on Sunday, November the 1st at 10 in the morning Eastern time. And as of now, this is a little before it posts and you're close to getting your goal and we I hope you get it by the time this posts. I really you want do. to see it. You're <laughs> yeah, very close. So you, you, you don't, you don't have the daily heart attack. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've been, since we're so close, you know, we, we only have, uh, as of, as of today, uh, nine days left and we're just like shy of like $600. I'm, I'm so 
like ready for it to to be there and to get there. And so I'm always watching it and, and waiting for, you know, those few more backers to to come in and, and you know, so that way we can put it to rest and, and make this book. Well, I hope that uh, if you don't have it by the time this post, this this interview will help people yeah. pay attention <laughs> to it. And again, I want to I, I, I'm going to say it a couple of times. Just it's called Seasons, Volume Two, Summer, and it, it's just got a great the, even the illustration and the video on there. When you just look at that, it's it's very dynamic. I mean, yeah. there's people people screaming off to the side you've got see this this is going to lead me back into the characters because i this feels like what would the justice league of the avengers be if they'd happened today rather than back in the 60s (laughs) oh that's awesome that's what yeah that's that's really cool i mean it definitely uh with that image there you know it, it has kind of a uh, round table, you know, team type of feel to it where you're like, like, Ooh, this is like a modern day grounded take of, you know, these characters with these really, um, you know, supernatural, uh, superhero like abilities. Mm-hmm. Cause like, well, as I look at the, the picture, uh, you talked about Heath, the, the guy who wears the, uh, the, the jacket. Yeah. The, yeah, that, that he's a big character in this. Mm-hmm. He's a, uh, you're right in the second season. He's a big part of it, but there's also the girl to the left named Judith. She's a part of the first season and she's continues to be, you know, she's, she's there somewhat in the second season. Mm-hmm. But, but the thing I'm, I'm interested in, and of course, there's this guy on the right, which we won't go into because that's a part, part of the story that I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. But there is, <laughs> Gosh, you know, it's, it's tempting to spoil this stuff, but I really can't. I want people to get the experience I did to read it and be surprised by what happens. That's what's going on. But talk about these various characters. I mean, the, I've got to always ask people, where do your characters come from? I mean, mm-hmm. is Fletcher you on some level or is this a, a, cr- a creation of your imagination? And then the other ones. Same thing about them. I mean, are they people you know, or, or are these people that <laughs> uh, that you have come up with? How did these people come th- into your book? Yeah, um, starting starting with Fletcher, I'd say. Um, uh, I, I mean, really, with every character, I feel like any any writer, of course, is taking from um, their own experiences, you know, and and people they know, you know, what because that's the only way to really make something authentic too and to make it feel authentic and make characters feel real and, and lived in and grounded. And, and I really wanted seasons to have that feel. And, um, Fletcher himself, um, I think more than anything, um, there's, uh, a lot of fear that I have of like the person I could be. And I wanted to put that down on paper and what that would look like and, and kind of explore ideas and, things that I've wanted to um, figure out on my own and kind of maybe do that through a character and have a character experience these things that um, are really um, out of his control because I feel like a lot of people want to be in control and, and um, me, for instance, of course, being a writer, um, you know, you, you want control of your story and kind of your own little world that you live. And I think we have to remind ourselves that we're not in control and, and, Fletcher has to realize that too. And that's definitely something that volume two um, really hits home and hits hard on 
as there's um, things out of his control and, and he's really not the, um, the steer of his ship, you know, and, and he's being influenced by, you know, what, what could it be? You know, is it, is it childhood trauma? Is it, is it, um, you know, an outside force guiding him and all the, you know, all these questions. And so I wonder about that too, you know, just like the bigger picture of life and what that might mean. And, you know, is, is there actually, intrinsic meaning in people and, and do we, do we have purpose or is it something that we make? So, um, he's really kind of the amalgamation of, of a lot of that. And then, um, the other characters, um, for, for summer, like Heath, Judith, um, uh, the other ones, Baker. And then there's these two other characters that we haven't shown in the comic yet, but that they're, they take a big part in the summer storyline. Um, they've been teased at a little bit, but not interacted. They haven't interacted with Fletcher or Heath. Um, and their names are uh, Aiden and Xander. And, um, all of them are really kind of, uh, were built and based off, um, like a way to contrast Fletcher and kind of reflect Fletcher in the same way. Like Heath, for example, Heath is kind of, um, the alpha male or, or the, the mentor, the, the, the friend that kind of, you know, you could, you could lean on and who's strong enough to, um, you know, kind of take the, um, all the baggage and all the, all the pain and, and maybe give you an optimistic outlook. And that's kind of reflected in, in some pages and some sequences where, um, uh, Heath can fly. He's kind of the persona personification of wind and there's a lot of kind of angelic imagery with him and, and this idea of like um freedom and and kind of being free from um you know the the bondage of earth or you know being kind of stuck here on the ground and fletcher sees that and he he's jealous of that and he wants that and there's actually a scene where he sees heath flying and, and fletcher like you know leaps, you know, uh, miles and miles into the air, uh, trying to get that sense of freedom. But eventually he crashes, you know, and, and Heath watches them and he's like, dude, what are you doing? You know, like you're, you're, you're not there yet. And it's really this dynamic duo where they're learning a lot about each other. And, and Fletcher's trying to learn like, you know, how, how do you have it, you know, together? And then Heath himself is struggling with, and it's kind of symbolic with, his power set of being wind and kind of transparent and he can fly and has these abilities, but he's also afraid of kind of like being so vulnerable and transparent and like feeling like his, his life is, you know, potentially fading away because he's this character that people can't really see and that he's, you know, the embodiment of, of wind and we can't see what's invisible. And so he feels invisible to other people and Fletcher has experienced that himself in the first book. And so you kind of see that play out a little bit more and, and reflected in him. And then with the other characters, um, like Judith, um, she comes from a really dark place of, um, we meet her in the eye of a hurricane and, and there's this storm raging and, um, there's a storm, I think, you know, raging inside a lot of, uh, humanity and, and people and, it's kind of the outward manifestation of what that might look like. And uh, Fletcher is in the midst of that with her and, and trying to understand each other and where they come from. So like everything that you see kind of the spectacle and the, the epicness and the flash of, of uh, seasons, you know, on, on the, the, 
the scope of it um, really comes from, I think, a human place of um, trying to understand who we are and, and our our deepest, you know, depths of what we can experience and and what our desires are and what those look like. And each character is kind of an extreme embodiment of that. And and what's really interesting too is it it all plays out where these characters are kind of the reasons and the um uh we we always find them in like a natural disaster like with the hurricane with judith or with um a wild forest fire with baker and it's like you know what what you're experiencing on the inside um it does affect what is around you and and um that's kind of analogous and kind of symbolically shown uh, on a on a big scale but it really starts from a place of uh, kind of fundamental universal kind of human truths that we all have to i think you know one way or another um really address and, and think about within ourselves if we're, if we're gonna be better people and if we're gonna grow as people too mm-hmm. wow Gee, there's, there's a lot going on in this book it's, really- <laughs> yeah. it's definitely worth yeah and i'm really happy that you said you know you rereading it and going through it again because i know um there's a lot going on and um it's definitely a balance act when it comes to um you know how much to to reveal and how much to put on a page um because there's a lot of symbolism and a lot of um what i think some people might consider to be maybe unnatural ways maybe some characters talk or some you know unpredictability in there and uh, it's definitely all uh, on purpose and intended to be that way because um, I'm trying to, um, you know, send a, send a message and make pe- make people think about what they're reading about. And uh, th- there have been people that have come back to me and there are definitely some scenes and some pages in volume one that will be addressed and are maybe a little confusing at first. And it's, it's, little Easter eggs that you'll find throughout the series. And that, that way, by the time you get to winter, the very last one, you'll go, Oh, that's what that was about. And I've always loved, um, Jonathan Hickman. He's a big inspiration for, um, the kind of the way I framed the story because he writes these, you know, two to three, maybe even three to five year long stories, um, where, um, by the end you go, that's what that was about. You know, something you read about in issue three and now we're in issue like, you know, 40 and you're like, Oh my gosh. Like he's, um, he had this all planned out and, and it, it, it feels so fulfilling and satisfying as a reader. And then I wanted to tap into that and see if I could, um, construct a larger story. And, and, and I've always, those have always been my favorite stories. I'm a big doctor who fan as well. And, um, you know, there, there'll be, um, you know, seasons of Doctor Who where it's really just this one long arc. Um, mm-hmm. And the like, it's always been the most impactful to me as a, as a viewer and as someone who's um, experiencing these stories. They've always been the best to me. And I really when I was developing seasons, that was um, a goal of mine to uh, to do that as well um, and to do the best that I could at it. Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing a tremendous job. I have to say I, I'm gripped. I, I, I wanted to tell you of an experience I used to have when I used to watch Star Trek, deep space nine, mm-hmm. 
the show would go off and I would be busy thinking about it. And all of a sudden, 15 minutes later, I'd look at the screen and go, oh, there's another show on. <laughs> I was so busy thinking about what did they do in that episode? What does that mean? And what, what's going to happen next? And all of a sudden, I look at the screen and go, oh, wait a minute. There's another show on. Oh, I better, better turn that off because I was busy <laughs> thinking about uh, Deep Space Nine stuff. I like, like I said, awesome. I like things that yeah. I, I love that. And that's your book, too. I, I'm just... I'm just, I don't know what you're going to do. And I, as a longtime reader of comics and stuff like that, I very often, when I turn the page of the, the initial page, Oh, okay. We're going to go this, that, and the other. I don't <laughs> know what, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you guys have in store, which I really like. I, I've got a couple of questions. I got to make sure I get in because of yeah. you made it black and white, except for what I think is one page. There's color involved in it and I, I think you're communicating something with that do you want to talk a little bit about that of course um yeah I'm, I'm glad you asked that and you you caught that um something that anthony and i are doing um and we decided this um fairly like early early on when we were um kind of constructing the, the roadmap for the series and something that we decided on uh we wanted the first book um to be black and white because, um, and, and really solely black and white because it is about good and evil and, and light and dark. And that's actually a part of Fletcher's power set in the first book. And then also his shadow and, and, uh, narratively, we really thought that, um, that was the best way to kind of get that across. And we wanted it to have this raw, really stripped down feel to it. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, James of the crow. And, and that's always been a book to me that I, I, every time I look at it, um, I'm just blown away by how, you know, striking and stunning it is um, and how it, uh, you know, you could put that book up to, any colored comic book and it would stand it's, you know, on its own two feet and it would probably surpass it. And, um, so it was important for us to kind of, uh, start there, start at the very kind of raw beginning of, of this character too. Um, and really show this character, uh, at his most vulnerable and, um, also, you know, just in the rawest form. And so with volume two, um, we're starting to add color and something we're going to be doing with each volume is adding more color because we're eventually trying to get to the point where Fletcher is finding wholeness and purpose and meaning. And that's going to be on full display with some of these colored pages, these really important character moments, these moments that are really either introspective or where kind of a light flicks on in Fletcher's head and he goes, that's it, you know, and we're going to be adding color to those to really convey that idea that um, there is uh, like, it, it kind of sounds cheesy, but like there, there's color being brought back into his life and not everything is so, um, so just like uh, absent of and, and, and empty. And um, so with uh, there's a, that page on, the Kickstarter, the with the sun setting, um, I you know I I love everyone to go look at it because it's one of my favorite pages in the book, and uh, just compositionally and and uh, there's no lettering on there, but on that page, um, Fletcher's really uh, 
the, it's in the aftermath of the hurricane and he's seen um, people, people dead and people dying. And he's kind of contemplating his own uh, mortality. And, and he, he lifts up the sand and the sand is falling through his fingers and it's uh, conveying that idea of, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, like the fragility of life and how fragile he is as a, as a human being. And um, with each panel, it looks like like a hand of a clock is moving and the sun is setting and the, the color starts to fade as we get to the very final panel. And that's something that we're going to be uh, experimenting and exploring with um, further with the series. And that's just um, one of the prime examples of how we're going to do it. it. It just stunned me. When after all these black and white pages, yeah. suddenly, <laughs> suddenly there was a color page. And I went, whoa, wait a second. Well, there's color here all of a sudden. And I, yeah. I knew it meant something. That was a very important part of the story. You guys don't do anything by mistake. Right, right. We try not to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, so I, yeah. when I, I saw that and I was just like, wait a second. Okay, that that's a very important thing to remember. I got to pay attention to that and keep that. But then we went back to uh, black and white again and I'm like – Okay, got to remember that somewhere down the road that's going to be important. So yeah, I, right, I, I did right. with that. Well, I wanted to mention to you while we were talking. I went ahead and pledged. I had not pledged before. Oh, I took wow. the uh, I, I took the pledge for the uh, seasons volume one and volume two in hardcover. Oh, thank you so much. The wow. one I did because I, I'm going to try to get you over that that uh, that goal there pretty quickly. See so if we can get, see how quickly we can make it happen. If it doesn't already happen by the time that this posts uh, should go to Kickstarter again. It's seasons <laughs> volume two summer. And I would highly recommend that you support this. If you need to be convinced, look at the pages on there. If you, you want to learn a little bit more about the story, go to the website seasons, the and you can, you can read through it there, which leads me to a question. My, my, my last question for this is that uh, according to the website, you are into issue six, page 21 which is roughly you're about halfway through the the summer mm-hmm. season so uh based on what the first season was like you, you said there's going to be about 100 120 pages so we have two more issues to go pretty much right the um the final issue in summer is actually going to be an oversized um issue like page count wise um mm-hmm. it'll it'll be the seventh issue but it'll be a kind of like a double-sized extra uh, finale. And that's something that we are not going to post um, on the website until um, the book is out and until the Kickstarter backers um, get it first. Um, we don't want to, you know, spoil anything or, you know, just give, give it out for free. We really want the backers to read it first and we want them to experience the story, you know, that way, because that's, like as I said at the kind of the top of the show, that's how I've always felt the best way to experience, you know, comic is. And I want to give that to the people that have, you know, invested in us and want us to make this. And so, um, yeah, we're only about like halfway um, through summer just on the website, um, but we do have, um, uh, you know, a lot more of the pages done, and we're, we're we really just have about. 25% of the book left to do. Um, and that'll, um, turnaround time with that 
will be fairly you know quick after the uh, the Kickstarter funds and um, it'll speed up production for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing, of course, I do have to uh, want people to know that these things sometimes do take time. And according to the web, the uh, Kickstarter, it says it's going to be April 2021 before, like, say, the two hardcover volumes are going to be available. Right. Uh, so right. we got there's going to be a little time for that, just so people know. But if you really want to know the story like I do, I, I want to know what's going on. <laughs> I, I, I keep going to the website and I keep checking. OK, is it Monday or is it Wednesday or Friday? Sorry, is it Monday or Friday? <laughs> is there going to be something new out there? And so I, uh, I I'm just fascinated. I don't know what you're going to do. And I oh, for wow. somebody like me, I, I love that. I love being on the edge of my seat going, now what? Now what? And, <laughs> That's definitely, yeah, that's, that's what I want, you know, and I want, uh, I want it to feel original and and unpredictable and um, make, make you think. And I'm so glad, you know, that it's resonated with you the way it has. Mm -hmm. So again, it's Seasons Volume 2 Summer. You can catch up if you don't have, like me, I didn't have the first volume. And so I'm getting it hardcover. And so the thing to do is to get on board, help get past. I'm sure you got wonderful stretch goals in mind as, as you get past yeah, the 6,000. Yeah, we do. So there'll be good things to do with that. I do want to know, because now I'm interested, I Lifeline. How do you get Lifeline? Is it, you mentioned those uh, uh, digital platforms. Is that where you get that? Or do you have that available in hardcover as well? Um, it's actually uh, a trade paperback. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, do, um, I do have it on there. Um, on the campaign, there's a actually a um, a tier where you can get all three books. Um, oh, and which one is that? It's the it's the eighty dollar one where you get all three books that are collector's edition signed by um, me and Anthony. Um, and um, there, uh, it's it's also um, I think what I need to do is put it as an add on as well. That's something that Kickstarter just. Um, put in their uh, kind of their the way they do funding now and, and when people choose a reward they never did add-ons before and um, I've been meaning to put Lifeline on there as an add-on for people that haven't read it yet um, but yeah it is well, a I- um, it is a full color um, graphic novel a 96 page graphic novel and um, uh, like I said I worked with you know like seven different artists and um, it, it was a really uh, fulfilling experience for me. And also um, uh, it really helped uh, to put my foot in the door in a lot of different kind of indie communities. And um, when uh, seasons, the first volume had kind of run its course a little bit and we were working up volume two, I, I, um, I knew it was going to take a little longer for volume two to start uh, getting put up on the site and also, for the Kickstarter. And so, um, I had, I already had another story idea in mind and, and I, I, uh, really flushed it out and got it done. And, um, so in between volume one and two, I, I had that. And, um, that was, uh, such a, such a great project to be a part of. And I, uh, got to meet a lot of great people through that and uh, a lot of connections that I still have to this day. Um, and a lot of artist friends that I've made from it. Hmm. Well, I, you made my life a lot easier because now I bumped up to that so I can oh, get wow. all, all those you. things. So my life is a lot easier. Now I don't have to go searching for it. You're going <laughs> to provide all that all the same. That'll probably all come together. So I, I'll have to they be will. patient. 
<laughs> I'll be patient until April of next year, but until then, I'll get to go to the website and, and check it. it. It's great stuff, Nandor. I just, I, I, I'm just dying to see what you've got in mind. I, I, I think you guys are the kind of thing that are going to be a, 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 a breath of fresh air in the comics, doing things that I have not seen before. So I, I thank you, thank you. someday, I, some someday I predict you're going to take over one of those comics you've mentioned, and you're going to be writing <laughs> that someday. I would, I, I would. That's that would be amazing. I would. I'd be so happy to get my get my hands in some uh, some Captain America or some some Superman. You know, I. Um, like I said, I've, you know, really grown up with the medium and, and it's given me so much and, and a big reason why I wanted to become a comics creator was I really wanted to give back and um, really uh, share my love of, of the medium and, and comics. And there's only um, there's only so much you can do in other mediums, um, but with with the comic book. Uh, format and sequential art it's such such a beautiful and um immersive format and a lot of you know it definitely doesn't get the credit it deserves and just how you know how much of a a fine art it is and um of course you know you separate the wheat from the chaff and there's always going to be you know that excess of stuff but um there's some you know some of the the best stories and the most amazing stories that I've ever read have been in the pages of a comic and, um, you know, would, would stack up to a, to a great classic novel. And, um, that, that really, uh, set home for me what I, what I wanted to do and and how I wanted to kind of build my writing career. And I was like, there's, there's no, no better way, no better place to start it than with the, the comic book medium. So you're the guy, kind of guy I want writing comics. <laughs> Thank that, you. That's the kind of thing I love to hear because I want to, there, there's so much, you know, so many people want to do things the way they've always been, but uh, you are looking at how to expand the medium and make it more interesting and stuff. So all I can say is, man, I, I am excited to be able to, to follow your stuff and to get more of it. So I, I, I tell people that, but it's so true. Keep up the good work and keep doing these wonderful things. Thank you so much, Wayne. It's been really encouraging, and, and it means a lot to me. You, you have no idea. And that's a wrap for this episode. Until next time, keep reading your comics.